Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing today? I am doing good. Made it through Christmas in the same pair of pants. Woo! It's because they are stretchy pants. All right, I am extremely excited to be with all of you this morning. We've got, uh, it's New Year's Eve. Here we are. We're heading into another one. You guys remember when we celebrated uh, 2019? Anybody remember that? When we're like, this is my year that is coming. I quit celebrating New Year's after 2020, but uh, maybe that'll change after today. Um, So my mom and John are gone Today, they've been gone since Thursday, I think they left. They are in uh, Pennsylvania right now, hanging out with some of his family over there and celebrating New Year's with them. We miss them, but excited for uh, their time. I know that they're having a great time while they're there. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke on uh, transition, and many of us find ourselves in these unique periods of time in our lives when we are moving from one era into the next era. And I spoke in detail and really kind of narrowed in on the fact that in order to get to where it is that God has for us, we have to truly let go of that which we are coming from. Like when we get a new word from the Lord, when he's saying for us to to do something new in our lives, oftentimes it's not just adding that to the way that we're currently doing life, but we have to actually change the structure, the way of living that we are. Jesus said it like this, that you you can't take new wine and put it into an old wineskin. You have to put it in a new wineskin in order for both to be preserved, both the word that he has for you and your life containing that word. It'd be like me in the restaurant industry, if if I hear that I'm supposed to start making rockets, I can't necessarily go into my kitchen and start building rockets. There's a new way of doing life that I have to actually adapt. And in order for me to do that, I have to fully let go of that which was. And we had a beautiful moment at the end of the service for those of you that were here, where, where people were really just letting go of the things that, the way that they thought life was supposed to be. You know, honestly, some sometimes transitioning from one season to another, it's, it's easy to do when, it, when the season was terrible behind us, right? But it's tough to do when, it, when you're walking in what you thought it is that the Lord had called you to do, or you were earnestly seeking him, that you're actually transitioning from something that is positive, that is good, into something more that is even better that he has for our lives. And that can be some of the tension. But this wilderness season that we find ourselves in is where that old life truly dies, where we truly let that thing go and are ready to embrace what it is that he has for us in the next. And I feel like it's, it's interesting that we're, we're at this, this New Year's point here. We, we're literally, we're going from one year into the next, and it's, it's a good time. I, I don't think that, you know, when it hits 12 o'clock, our whole world resets, our lives change magically or anything like that. But I do believe that it's a perfect opportunity for us to think and reflect on what it is that the Lord had done and take this moment, this transitional time period of our lives and truly seek after him and find out what it is that he has for us in this coming season. Uh, This this morning you were singing of, uh, she's leaving, she's done with this message. Uh, (laughs) Do I need to do better? Should I? Yes. Um, Rachel started singing at one moment there that, uh, 
Do you hear the cry of the city? Do you hear the cry of the city saying, who is this man? You see, last couple of weeks ago, I really honed in on this reality that we have to let things go. But what I want to do this morning is breathe vision for a bright future that's to come. I mean, no, the future is bright. There are good things in store for you. We're not just leaving death and destruction to try to hopefully survive our way through the next season. I'm actually going to celebrate tonight, 2024 coming. The future is bright. It is a great time. We are in a perfect time to see revival take place in this city. We are in a beautiful time to see reformation take place to the church, to see souls saved, to see society transformed, to see Jesus glorified. Why not now? This is the perfect opportunity. A few weeks ago, I, uh, my wife and I came back from, she returned. I, I think I turned, was that better? That was better. Oh, she needed to take notes, okay. Um, a few weeks ago, we, we, had, uh, we had just returned from Italy. My, Rachel and I took a, about 10 or 12 days there. And since returning from that trip, I have been, and I mentioned it quite a bit in my last message, but I have been um, intrigued. I guess you could say, by the Renaissance period. I went there extremely naive in many ways. Like, I, you know, we learn about the Renaissance period in school. I did a really good job forgetting everything that I learned in school. And it was, it was very substance influenced, this memory loss that I have from that time period of my life. Uh, fortunately, the Lord has redeemed and changed that for me. But um, That being said, I went to Italy and had no idea of the influence that this nation has had on our modern day world and all of these artists that came out of this time period. And so I started doing a little bit of research into what went in to this renaissance that took place. Like, why was it all of a sudden that there was an explosion of art and culture? And and so I started doing some research and the word renaissance actually means a rebirth. The culture at the time was literally rebirthing. They, they were realizing that the way that they did life before was no longer working. Let me read this. Both the Renaissance was born out of a realization that the old medieval order was no longer sustainable. And scientific discoveries and technological innovations were some of the elements that made it clear just how inadequate the old structures were. You see, these people were living under this, living in a time period where humans were just the sum of what the institutions told them to be. Like humans actually didn't realize at this time period until the Renaissance period that they actually had the ability to learn and to think for themselves. They did nothing more than what they were told to do and belonged to whatever group they were born into and were told to belong to. You see, it was actually the first time where religious and political freedom started to break out throughout society. And what was meant actually in a negative way, this, it was the first introduction of a humanist mindset, that humans are the center of the universe, that we get to dictate our future, that we get to decide that we have freedoms and liberties. And they took it so far to actually reject the Lord, but it had an impact that actually affected the church in a beautiful way. You see, at that time is when... The church was all under the rule of the Vatican. The Pope in this time period was not just a religious leader. He was the king. He was an emperor. He ruled the land. He had an army at the time. And this uh, 
there became a dissatisfaction of the people, a distrust in the way that things were, a distrust in the governmental structure of that time period. So much so that there were actually, at one point, there were three different people all claiming to be the Pope. Like it, be, it became this very politically charged time throughout history that people started realizing that enough is enough. I am no longer going to live under this sort of rule anymore. Me as a human, I have the ability to go and to learn for myself. And so it started this endeavor. And humans started looking back at old manuscripts from old, uh, old Greek manuscripts and old Roman manuscripts to try to look back to when times seemed to work better than they were now. They started looking back at the Roman Empire and seeing what the educational system of that time was like because that empire stood for so long. And they wanted to, to learn and to understand the things of the past. And so the common person started learning to read and started taking personal responsibility for their own education so that they could see society actually transformed into something different because the medieval ways of living weren't working any longer. Well, this, this hunger, this desire for knowledge, this, this seeking after something different created a demand for innovation in that time period. See, it was, it was very uncommon for people at that time to have books of their own, and, and it was actually a way of power and wealth was to actually try to amass a library. But as humans were seeking more and more knowledge at this time, a man realized that there was a gap, that, that there was a gap in society, that, that there was something that needed to be invented in that time period in order to expand, to accelerate this movement that was taking place, this movement of knowledge in that time period. And that is when the Gutenberg printing press was created. See, it was the first time that humanity actually was able to print knowledge, to print information, and to dispel it quickly, where it didn't all gather around institutions. Now the power of knowledge was decentralized from institutions into the hands of the people. Stay with me while I'm going through this. I'm, I'm, I'm heading somewhere here. So power was de decentralized from this institutional learning into the hands of the people. And shortly after, this man in Germany so fed up, as many had been fed up in the past with the way the institution was doing things, marched himself up to a chapel in Wittenberg and nailed upon the door what we call the 95 Thesis. See, Martin Luther, a Catholic monk at the time, went up and said, put out 95 questions in opposition to the way that church was being done at that time period. Now, what kept this from just becoming another private conversation something that he just got ostracized out, was this reality that society at the time was in the middle of Renaissance. See, this Renaissance period that was happening created, fueled innovation, created the printing press. 95 Thesis hits the, hits the door, and the number one most sold book in that time period was printed, and it was the 95 Thesis. So the renaissance that was taking place, what happened in society at that time created a greenhouse effect for a move of God to spread in a way that had never been able to be done before. 
there's actually this, this time period of innovation opened up this reality that the Lord could ride on top of the change, the dissatisfaction that is happening in culture. He got in the middle of that. A voice of reason rose up and it spread like wildfire. And we see one of the greatest reformations, the greatest reformation that ever took place since the birth of the church. See, I believe right now in our society, we are in the middle of one of these renaissance type periods. I spoke a couple weeks ago on this reality of transitioning us personally in our personal lives from one era into the next. But how many of you know we as a society are in this similar time period? There has been a massive, massive distrust in leaders, in governmental places. People are no longer satisfied. We're, we feel ourselves in this tension where we are looking back, literally. There are movements right now trying to go back to simpler times when it seemed like it worked better than it is right now. And we feel this tension right now where it's like, I wish things were the way that they were and I'm also, I'm not okay with the way they are now and I know we need to move somewhere else. You see, there was a distrust in the government that, that was heightened throughout COVID. And if we're not careful, this distrust in leadership will find itself all the way here with our brothers and our sisters. You see, this distrust mentality, it creates a suspicion within people where they no longer know where to put safety because the establishment that we trusted in for so long seems to be crumbling before our eyes. So we, we don't know where to put our rest anymore. And there's this communal anxiety that has taken place over the last few years as a result. There's this, this tribal mentality that has taken root here in America. Where we're actually starting to build... Groups of people, not based just on what we believe, but about what we don't believe of the other group. And if we're not careful, when, when there's not a clear leadership structure in place and this tribal mentality happens, if we're not careful, then the complainings of the person that's either next to us on one side or the other, all of a sudden becomes the voice of reason for us in that season. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, listen, Moses is on the mountain talking face to face with God at this time. They, the people know that Moses had just head in to speak to the Lord. Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. This is the man. They even said, the man who brought us out of the bondage that we were in. We don't know what is going on with this guy. He seems to be talking to God for too long. What about us? <laughs> this is what they're saying. What about us? He got us out of bondage, and now he's talking face-to-face -face with God. We have no leader. You see, they were in this time where there was no stability in their lives, and so it was very easy for them then to gather around an idol. Take off the rings of gold 
that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. We're in one of the weirdest times to be alive currently, and one of the most exciting times to be alive. You see, because of this distrust, this dissatisfaction in the way that things have been done, people are looking for something new. And the natural tendency is to create for themselves an idol. We see this so much in culture right now. It's so easy to fall into idolatry. People are creating these camps around individuals and saying that, and, and they're finding a sense of belonging, a sense of safety, a sense of, of, of becoming because somebody actually is being strong, actually has a voice. But I believe right now is the prime opportunity for the church to rise up with a voice of strength. Proverbs chapter 29 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. I like to propose that the opposite then is true. It says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people, another word for that is the people perish. Is that when there is prophetic vision, the people are nourished. The people are healthy. The people come alive. In this time of transition that we are in as a society, now is the opportunity for us to draw closer and closer and closer to the voice of the Lord so that impossible things actually look like common sense to us. Like I actually believe that in this time period where there is no real sense of leadership, no real sense of direction, I'm talking about society at large. Whether you like it or not, the American era has, is, is coming to an end. As far as leadership in the world, the only thing America is number one at is political and military power. Everything else it has fallen behind in. Now that is, as an American, that's, it's tough. We like to be proud of our country, proud of our nation. Now I believe that that can be redeemed, but I'm really more concerned with the kingdom of heaven being spread here upon the earth than the kingdom of America, personally. What I'm really concerned with is heaven actually advancing and transforming society until this earth looks exactly like heaven. You know, we are called to be an apostolic people and in a time of chaos is the perfect opportunity for us to, to make that presence be known. When Jesus called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, what he was actually using when he said the word apostles, the understanding of that time, was that it was, a, it was a Greek word used as, as a Roman position. The Romans would go, they would conquer new territory. And as, after this new territory was conquered, an apostle would come in to make that new territory look like Rome. So this understanding that when Jesus is saying that he has given us to be an apostolic people, that he has given apostles to equip the saints for the work of the ministry is actually that you and I would make this earth look like home to the king. So that when he comes back, he can't see the difference. <laughs> so that when he comes here, he's so comfortable dwelling here upon this earth because it looks just like heaven. 
You know, we're in this tension. We are in the middle of this new era that's to come and the one that was. And now is the opportunity for the prophetic voices to rise up and say, this is the way. This is the way of peace. This is the way of goodness. This is the way of love. This is the way of joy. There's so much chaos that is going on. And in order for us to actually be relevant in this time, we have to have something that is different. Now, me just saying that you could immediately go to this different in the external. I'm not talking about like all women wear skirts and, and don't braid your hair kind of different. I'm talking about like when the kingdoms of the world are being shaken, we find ourselves on a stable ground kind of different. I'm talking the kind of different that's, that's like okay when the stock market collapses because my hope is in him, not in this temporary. This is the kind of different that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a people that are so filled with peace that even if this nation was to fall, I know where my home is when my citizenship is in heaven, that this earth is gonna pass away and there is a new one that is gonna be built that I'm gonna be ruling and reigning with my king on at that time. That's the kind of different that I am talking about. The kind of different like Joshua and Caleb. Exodus chapter 33 I'm getting fired up. Is anybody feeling like dreaming? Let's. You see, I believe that this, this isn't explicitly said, but I, we can see as one of the defining differences between Moses, who did not go into the promised land, and that of Joshua, who did. I believe it's tied to this moment. Now, Moses... Exodus 33, verse 7. Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Here's the difference. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Another translation says that Joshua would remain. I believe it's in this wilderness season that we are, have this opportunity, this calling to draw nearer and closer to the presence of God. When the spies went and they saw the promised land and Joshua and Caleb came back, when everybody else saw issues, to them it was common sense. When everybody else saw problems standing in their way, the men that were overcome by the presence of God, said, look, we are well able. Let us go possess this land. I believe that there is a reframing of our thinking that is taking place right now as we are walking through this wilderness time as a society. And we get to be reframed into the group where we cast up images of idols or we get to be reframed in the presence of God. We have a choice, an opportunity, and a privilege to decide which camp we're going to camp in. And whether or not we're going to go to this tent of presence once a week, 
or if we're going to host it all day, every day. If we're actually going to remain in this tent so that when impossible things come our way, we don't see them. Like, I'm talking about a people that not are just coming up with good ideas. I'm saying we, you are thinking the way that Jesus thinks, where you are so transformed into his image that you recognize the reality that you are up against a defeated devil, one that a public spectacle was made of him, one that could not keep a man in the grave any longer. I'm talking about being so overcome with his presence that when issues come your way, your only response is I'm well able to conquer this land. Oh, you saw giants, I saw promise. You saw an issue, I saw my destiny. This is what I'm talking about in this season. We experience it here on Sunday mornings in worship. How many of you have had that before where you've come in and you've just had a week, man? It has been a week, it's been a month, it's been a year, whatever it is. And for a moment in worship, it seems like all of that falls away. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to leave that place. You don't have to come and experience a moment of freedom and then go back to the chaotic world. You don't have to leave and then go back to the idol that you created during the week to be your source of comfort. It's time to slice the head off the idols and get in the presence of God. Like their idolatry is running rampant, not just because people are wanting to, I don't know, feel like this sense of, like they're in rebellion and sin. They're looking for comfort. They're looking for who this man is that they know is out there and they're looking in drugs. They're looking in alcohol. They're looking in pop culture. They're looking all over in spouses and boyfriends, girlfriends and everything, all areas of society and it is all empty handed. It's only in the presence of God. It's only face to face with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that will ever be comforted, that will ever be satisfied, that, that we will ever, like Evan said during worship, that this thirst will ever be quenched. Yeah. What would your life look like if you actually dreamed on top of this reality that all things work together for good for those who believe? Like, what would your dream life actually look like if you believed that you served the King of Kings, not only served him, but that he wanted to partner with you to bring heaven to earth? Like, actually think about the types of things that you would be dreaming about on a daily basis. This is one of the things why I love, Max and I and our families get together and we, we go on vacation every summer for about a week, and the entire time, we find ourselves saying, hey, what if we bought this? Hey, what if we did that? What if we just did this? What if, what if actually, no, this is an even better idea, and we just let our brains go? Because we believe that there is a God that is bigger than our lack in the moment. Like, what if you believe that the promises that he had for you are actually provided for? You just can't see it until you start moving. Most of the time in my life when I have started a new business, opened another restaurant, I did not have the resources in place in order to do that. It looked foolish in the time periods unless it was the voice of God that said to do it. But he said to go, so I went and the provision followed. When, when my, my wife was pregnant with our first daughter, at the time I was, I was working in a restaurant and seeing God do incredible things in this restaurant. I remember at this church that I had attended, at, during that time period, I looked down the, the row 
And it was all the people that had gotten saved at the restaurant. We're all sitting down the row. Got one of them still sitting in the room here with me. He won't leave me alone. He's still following me around. And I love him for it. And uh, there's really good things that were happening, though, in that time period of my life. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. It was, it was an exciting time to be, to be working there. But the Lord said that it was time to move. I literally, he got a prof- I got a prophetic word and he said to me, it's time to come out from under the trees and to stand on your own. And I knew that that meant it was time now to start a business. And two weeks before my first daughter was born, the worst time to start a business, I started a business on my own. I started a little coffee cart, a little six-foot coffee cart. And uh, I had no idea how to make it work. But it is in the simple day-to-day obedience and trust in the Lord. And even when I couldn't figure it out, his sovereignty makes up the difference. When we are following him with a pure heart, when we are following after him, you can't lose. Even your failures are, are wins in the kingdom. He can actually take everything that didn't work out and redeem them and make them look beautiful. It's actually the point where we are looking for the most wise, the strongest, the most strategic, the the best looking, the most fit, and we want them to to lead this world into salvation. The Lord is looking for the most foolish to confound the wise. He's looking for those that are so acquainted with their weakness that they recognize the reality that I cannot do this alone, but by my God, I am able to conquer any giant that stands in my way. This is the kind of season that we find ourselves in right now. This is the most glorious season to be alive because we are being overcome by his presence in this time period. So my challenge, my charge going into this next year is which camp do you want to create? Do you want to go with the complainers, with the whiners? Or do you want to go with those that find themselves in the tent of his presence? Look, this suspicion thing, if you've been in any sort of leadership position, whether it's in the church or in in the marketplace, wherever it is, I'm sure you have come up against what I'm talking about. Like, there is a constant questioning over every motivation of a leader right now. And it's not because of the leaders individually. Look, Moses just rescued them out of Egypt, and he's standing face to face with God. (laughs) And they're still questioning his motivations. (laughs) Like, this is a societal problem that we are facing right now. And if we're not careful to recognize the complaints of others, we will be pulled down into this tribal mentality. And we will create camps against one another. When now is not a time to create camps, it is a time to create places for his presence. Now is not a time for us to separate from one another. Now is a time for us to lean in closer and deeper into one another. To fight through the tough issues. To say, hey, I don't realize, I don't know, did you mean this when you said that? Just ask the question. Quit being a wuss about it. Like, <laughs> for real. Like, instead of just then going and inventing stories in your mind and you're leaving and wondering about other people's motivations, just ask them what they meant. So much of society would be fixed if we would actually grow a spine and say, hey, did you mean this when you said this? (laughs) (laughs) I will step off that soapbox. I know that'll take me too far. (laughs) I got to stand over here for a minute. (laughs) But you all know what I'm talking about. 
I'm getting back on it. I don't even care. <laughs> you know, right now is a time when there is a distrust, a real distrust in more than likely a healthy one in some ways that is happening in society saying that, you know what, the way that we were doing life being run down and the rat race of life is not working right now. But I have a feeling that there are people here that have a solution for that. You can either have a solution or you can be part of the complaints. That's kind of the way that life is splitting up right now. You're either gonna come up with a fix or you're gonna be one of those complaining about somebody else not having the right solutions. You see, right now in this midst of, in this time of transition, this, this weird gray zone, this, there was a book that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that talked about some of these concepts that I'm speaking of this morning called uh, Non-Anxious Presence. I'd recommend you reading it. And it goes into detail about how these changes of societies create these moments of, in time called a gray zone. This gray zone where there's no real clear sense of safety. This is a time where I believe that the church can be strong and can be courageous and can actually come up with solutions. I believe that there are people in here today that are called to bring an end to the porn industry. Like, I believe that there are people in here today that are called to bring solutions, to move this nation away from consumerism. This reality, this this out of sight, out of mind slavery that is taking place in other nations to protect us, to make us feel comfortable. Like there has to be a different way of doing life than the way that things have always just been done before. I'm not gonna sit back and complain about that. I'm gonna get into the presence of God and ask him to transform my mind, to see things from his perspective, to see things the way that he sees them. So what would life look like if you actually started dreaming like this? On a bigger scale, outside of your problems, what if you could actually be used to really once and for all end racism in this country. Like what if you could be the solution to end abortion, not changing laws, but to create a system, a structure in place that actually creates a society where women go, there is no way I would want to get rid of this baby. I have so much support. I have so many people around me. I have so much love. I know that there are men, even though this, the man that made me pregnant is gone, there are men that can actually speak hope and destiny into this child's life. Like, what if you could be that solution? I believe you actually can. If you would let go of the way that things were and follow through into this transition season, I believe that there are people in here that are destined to change the world. My my kids and I, every Christmas we go downtown and uh, part of of our Christmas tradition is our family puts together packages for the homeless. And um, we, we went down there this week on Monday. We put the packages together and you know, kids are kids. They're opening gifts. Oh, cool. What's next? Oh, cool. What's next? And this is a great place where we remember the reality of the life that we live in, of this world that, that exists outside of just our bubbles. We get so consumed with our pocket. If it's out of sight, out of mind, then that can happen over there. It's not affecting my life. I'll just be silent about it. Unfortunately, though, as a Christian, you have to confront those realities. You have to confront injustices and actually want to bring change and transformation to them because our calling is to bring heaven to earth. If it doesn't exist in heaven, it's not, it's not allowed here on the earth. That's kind of the standard. And so we go down, and my kids put together these packages, and it was so cool. My five-year-old, for the first time, was able to really understand what was going on, and 
she was the most excited to go up to these people that genuinely do not look like they fit in with society. I mean, they, they don't. They, they're homeless. They're living on the streets, and everything about them shows that, right? And she doesn't care what they look like or what they're talking like or what they smell like. And so she's going right up to them. Hey, I have this gift for you. Merry Christmas. And she's handing out these gifts to these, to these people, and, and we're leaving and as we're, we're driving away, I'm just like, man, thank you, Lord, that just for this opportunity that my kids can be exposed to reality. And as we're going, my nine-year-old daughter says, why are these people homeless? I said, well, sweetheart, there's so many different reasons. That's a tough one to answer. But some of them, you know, she's like, if they need money, they can just get jobs. I said, that is true. But unfortunately, many of them are found themselves in addiction they end up spending their money on drugs or on alcohol because they're looking for comfort. They're looking for Jesus. And uh, other, of, other people, they, they have some mental health issues, and they just they can't function in society the same way that maybe you or I can. Uh, but regardless, we're, we're to, to fix that. And she said, uh, well, you know what? That's just not right. I wish the world looked different than this. And I was like, Yes. She's got it. What are the injustices that are in your heart? I believe that there are things that just drive you up the wall. Like, I know I have things. Maybe this is just me and my personality. There are many things that drive me up the wall. (laughs) But what are the injustices of our society that the Lord is actually calling you to be a carrier of the solution? What are the things that you say that all the time, yeah, that's not right, but it's not my place? What if it actually is your place? What if out of sight, out of mind ended and we actually confronted the injustices that this nation is facing on a daily basis? What if out of sight, out of mind, because it's not my culture, not my people, not my problem, what if we got rid of those lines and we actually believe that the king of kings is seeking to save that which is lost. He's come to heal a broken world. And he's come to do it through you and I. He didn't come here to find the shiniest, the prettiest, the strongest. He came to find the broken, the down and out, and to give them hope, to give them a future, to give them a home, a place to belong in, to give them heaven. We need to cut down this shiny West Michigan gospel that we can so easily find ourselves living within. Jesus didn't die to keep the air conditioning on. He died to depopulate hell and populate heaven. He died to bring his kingdom and to establish it here upon the earth through you and I. And it is not a passive war that we have been born into. It is actually one that is meant to be met with intentionality, that is meant to be met with saturation of who he is. It's meant to confront and to actually bring true transformation. So my challenge for you again going into this year is to be saturated in his presence and to no longer let injustices just be something that you avoid at the dinner table talking about. All the things that we don't talk about at holidays are all the things we need to change. (laughs) Honestly, 
I believe that there has been a breathing in this room this morning of people that are feeling hope and a calling in their lives. Start dreaming on top of everything is possible. Start dreaming, unlocking lack. Get rid of the small thinking. Everything is possible when you serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this community. Thank you for this new year that we get to go into and this opportunity that we have as believers to to seek after your kingdom and to advance it here upon the earth. Lord, I pray that any complacency in our hearts, anything that we have just driven out of our mind, it's not our problem, it doesn't affect me. God, let those walls be broken down in this place. Let us confront the injustices of this time and to, to invite people into a real, raw relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Break down the walls that divide us, these camps that have been created through this season of life, and let there be a voice of reason that could rise out of the chaos. I believe that there are Martin Luther's in this place, those that are gonna bring reformation and change to this world, the change that is needed. So Lord, let them rise. Make us courageous as we go into the promised land that is before us. In Jesus' name, amen.